Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt DeMarinas, joined as always by former Blue Jay Megan Ballinger. Um, Jays went 1-1 one one on the weekend on their East Coast road trip, lost the uh, first leg of it at St. John's, um, rebounded yesterday to sweep Seton Hall, and now they finally get to have a home, a couple home matches. So, uh, yeah, we're going to break down what went right, what went wrong from the weekend, and then... Um, get you kind of an outlook on what the Jays will be facing this upcoming weekend with DePaul and conference rival Marquette. Um, Megan, I guess, first of all, your impressions of um, the St. John's match, first of all, in Queens. I think it was St. John's first match in Carnesecca. They had some um, uh, some issues with the court, I guess, some damage that was done. They had to revamp it a little bit. So that was their first home match of the year at their normal facility. Um, it seemed like it kind of were the aggressor from the outset against the Jays. Is that kind of what you saw take place? Yeah, for sure. In the first set, I think there were no lead changes. So St. John's, you know, just got out to a hot start and honestly never looked back. Um, so, yeah, kind of up and down, an interesting match. Just, um, just very back and forth. And then the one set that Creighton was able to squeak out, the second set. Um, yeah, just like just a back and forth set again and just – I don't know. It seemed like they trailed early in almost every set and mm -hmm. it just, I don't know, kind of struggled to, you know, get those runs going and string together points. What was, uh, it looks like St. John's was really effective from, you know, their right side of the floor. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at their attacks, I think, I don't know if all 81 were from that side, but, you know, Raquel Rostelli was 22 kills on 46 swings. And, you know, most of those, it felt like came from the right side. Uh, what did you see in terms of Creighton's difficulties just defending that left side of the floor, like trying to, from a block setup standpoint and from a coverage standpoint, when St. John's or Stelly would go line, it seemed like she had a lot of success peppering the line on Friday. Yeah, just an interesting, I mean, you don't normally see a right side getting, you know, 46 attempts in a right. set, in a match. So from that aspect, it's a little bit different of a look, I think, than any opponent um, that Creighton has played this year. And then, two, she's left-handed, so your blocking's a little mm -hmm. bit different, and you line up differently on her hitting shoulder. Um, yeah, but I just thought, I mean, she was very effective, and even going down that line, I thought she found gaps really well, and at times, you know, was able to maybe snap over the block a little bit and just get on top of the ball. So it just made it really challenging for that left-side blocker, and then Abby behind that left side was just, you know, Kind of, it's kind of hard, and she's trying to read and hoping she can get a touch on the ball. But yeah, um, props to Rosselli; she had a great, great match. You've mentioned the uh, left side or left left-handed, sorry, attackers before. Um, can you elaborate on what's difficult about? Is it just does everything just seem like a little bit backwards to you, and you have to kind of slow your mind down and just understand that this is coming from a different angle than you're normally used to seeing in training like how do you deal with a left-handed attacker that's a high volume attacker at that yeah it's just a little bit different so like from a hitting perspective too like when you think about it if you have a right-handed person the ball has to come all the way over their left shoulder and get to their you know right side of their body so they can hit it and for a left-handed hitter they don't have that issue so if the ball dies inside they're easily able to hit it you know, they're able to just like do some other things just because of the angle of like where the ball is coming from. 
So you'll see like, I mean, an outside hitter, if the ball dies inside, they can come inside and, you know, maybe not have their feet all the way to the ball and still hit it. So it's the same way for a left-handed hitter on the right side. It's a little bit, you can be a little lazier, I guess, with your feet. And so it's just a little bit easier of an angle. It's more natural. Um, so from that aspect, it makes it a little bit easier on like Bristelli from the right side and gives her some more options, a little bit easier to just kind of like read the angle of the set coming to her and then hit it. Gotcha. Uh, you know, this t- I don't think Creighton played well by any means, and certainly it, that, that's reflected in kind of the statistics. I, I, you're, you're facing an uphill battle when your left side attack is, you know, below 200 together. Um, but it felt like it felt like Creighton was still had a chance to win this match. I think the third mm-hmm. step kind of swung it, right? Because St. John's got off to the really hot start. They were up, I think, 17-10 or 18-10. And then Creighton went on a 12-2 run um, to take, I think, a 22-19 lead, something around there. And mm-hmm. it felt like if Creighton had finished that, I think St. John's might have got a little internal. You know what I mean? They might have just said, well, we, we had that thing in the bag and they ripped it from us, and now we're down 2-1, and we basically have to be – you know, we've played pretty well to this point, and now we have to be even better than we've played it, you know, so far to win this match. Like, it's probably not – you can't imagine St. John's would be confident going into set four. But the way – you know, and, and normally I know how you guys think, right, volleyball players. You're like, okay, when we're getting – when you're getting it handed to you in a set, you kind of just want to build some momentum for the next game, right? That way you get off to a hot start and you can kind of recover. Creighton mm-hmm. did that, and then St. John's recovered – at the end of three to win it. And it felt like that was kind of the decider. Yeah. Do you feel like whoever was going to take three at that point was probably going to have a leg up on who would win the match? Yeah. I feel like it was one of those sets. You're like, Oh, if they lose this, like, I don't know how it's going to go in the fourth for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, like for St. John's, a team that is very like emotional, they mm-hmm. win a tight set in set three and they're just like on cloud nine. You know, so they, you know, get to set four and they just, they don't really look back. So, um, I mean, you kind of saw that, I guess, like it, Creighton was a little bit deflated, I thought, in set four. And it just kind of turned into a little bit of like of a sloppy game. There are a lot of just like mistakes that wouldn't normally happen and you wouldn't normally see from them. Right. Um, so it's just, yeah, it, I think set three definitely was a big turning point. And to lose it, 25-27, I think it's kind of, kind of a little bit of a heartbreaker there in set three. Yeah, it's really it was really strange because it went from St. John's totally in command to then Creighton kind of like had it in their grasp and then St. John's won it. So you're like, okay, is Creighton supposed to feel good about making that competitive or bad about letting it slip? And it and ultimately it looked like it was more of the latter because St. John's really kind of took off uh in set four, they got to another hot start, which they had done so far in the match. So it wasn't really that all that different. They had got off to another quick start, but it, it kind of felt like that was kind of the, the swinging point of the match right there was whoever could pull that out was probably going to win. Um, moving on to Seton Hall, though, th- this is kind of the interesting part of the way the volleyball s- schedule sets up for you guys because you don't get time to dwell. Is that is that you probably prefer that in a loss, right? Like you want to think about that a little bit more or do you just want to like get another opponent in front of you and make up for that? Like what's the mindset there? 
I mean, I think it's good to have another match the next day. I mean, because, I mean, you leave New York and you're like, okay, well, I can't think about this anymore. Like, we have a new game. We have to travel, you know, right after your match is done, you're traveling Mm -hmm. um, to go to New Jersey and, you know, get one night of sleep and then do it all over again. So, yeah, I think it's good to have a match afterwards. And I think, I mean, you'll see, like, teams, if they get beat, I mean, that makes you focus, right? Like, or at least it should, like the next game you should be locked in um, from the start and not want to give up any sets, you know, let alone the match. So here's the interesting thing about that is Creighton wasn't locked in from the start for this one. So in your opinion, was there some residual there? Because we can talk, I'll I'll bring up in a second what Kirsten Bernthal said after game one um, to kind of get your mindset of what that's like, but they, they weren't locked in for game one, right? That was a battle. They weren't doing, they weren't, mm-hmm. doing, they weren't executing from a scout standpoint. They weren't um, kind of dictating the terms of the engagement and they had to fight for their lives to win that one. So um, where do you think Creighton's head was? Do you think there was some residual from kind of letting the St. John's thing slip after they kind of felt like they were gaining some momentum in game three? Do you think there was a little bit of a hangover in terms of maybe their disappointment level and that they, you know, their big winning streak had ended. They weren't perfect in conference anymore. Was there some residual there in your opinion? You know, maybe I was surprised, um, you know, just that the outcome kind of upset one. As you said, like, they should be locked in and ready to go, you know? Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, maybe some of that did linger from the night before and just playing in some of those close matches and not mm-hmm. being able to pull it out. Um, so I don't know, but I mean, I'm glad they turned it around, but yeah, that first set, I'm sure. Yeah. Kirsten was not happy. Yeah. So here's where, uh, maybe you can provide a little bit of insight into what's this, what this moment is like. Cause Creighton responded from this, right? The, the next two sets were, were, you know, not as competitive, certainly as set one. And they, it was, it was just more of like a, the minute, um, Creighton kind of seized control. They didn't really let it up anymore. So, Kirsten talked about being disappointed in just a variety of ways because the, the, the focus wasn't there. The, the, the scout execution wasn't there in game one and she let them know about it. Just in a general sense, what's that huddle like when, um, when you feel like you just want to set, right? So you're, you're in a good position, you're up one Oh, but you don't feel like you're playing well. Like, how do you, What's what, what, what do you come out? How do you come out in set two when you're up one L, but necessarily not necessarily feeling great about it at, the, at that point? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just disappointing. And to hear your coach kind of be disappointed, even after you, you know, win um, is never good. But I mean, the expectation is always to be great in every set. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she sees that and she's going to be honest with them and just be like, we didn't play well. Like, we're lucky that we won the set, you know, probably kind of the message. Um, that she was sending to her team. So um, I think you just try to bind a scout. I mean, it's a quick turnaround, so you don't necessarily spend a ton of time, like, thinking about St. John's um, just from, like, you know, a logistical standpoint of, like, what you actually need to do out there um, just because it is a quick turn and you do, like, one scout and kind of go through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you just get reminded of the things that, I mean, you're supposed to be bought into. And in the first set, I don't think it really showed. And then the second set, second and third set, you know, I think they kind of figured out the things like things that you shouldn't have to think about, right? It's like things that have um, tendencies of, of hitters and, you know, where they're defense. Just have that in your back pocket and then be able to go out and play and just 
kind of allows you to play more freely and just kind of have more knowledge. Yeah. Is that a moment where, I mean, I know you're in a match and you're trying to, you're thinking about an opponent right there, but when you're having that conversation about not playing up to your standard, you know, Creighton is the probably the only team in the big East that has its own benchmark, right? Because, you know, I don't, I don't even think Marquette would be able to say it because they've been chasing Creighton the whole time. You know, you guys have won so many big East titles in a row regular season conference, you've had success in the NCAA tournament, you are the bar, right? But to challenge yourselves, Creighton has to measure itself against itself, right? So that's why you're like, okay, we're up 1-0. That's not normally a moment where you feel disappointed, but because Creighton has to measure itself against itself, that's kind of why it, it becomes like that, right? Where And you've talked about the process before, like when you're going through the grind of a conference slate where everybody – where you've got a target on your head because you are the team that everybody, if they beat you, it makes their – look at St. John's. They played probably their best match of the year, beat you guys – or beat Creighton, sorry. You're not you're not on that roster anymore. Uh, <laughs> beat Creighton. Um, and then they turn around and lose to Providence. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a different mindset from Creighton's standpoint. They're getting everybody's best shot, but they have to measure themselves against themselves in order to be successful at it. Is that kind of what – uh, Saturday was about was just like we're not we're not playing up to our own standards right now we wouldn't even be ourselves in our own gym let alone what Seton Hall is trying to do to us right yeah I think so and it is interesting like you said Creighton does kind of have to measure itself you know against itself and you really will get everybody's best shot and I think that's why you see in some weekends like maybe Creighton really gets pushed by a team or in this instant gets beat and then the team turns around and loses you know, or just doesn't play well in their next match. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's interesting. I think you have to kind of think long-term too. Like it did the way that we played in the first set against Seton Hall. Like would that win us a set in an NCAA tournament? Yeah. You know, would that win us a set against Marquette in the Big East tournament? So I think you just have to think long-term, like, you know, they know that they can play better and they need to have the expectation to be consistent. I mean, that's how you win championships. You're consistent over a long period of time. So I think it's just, you know, you kind of have to think forward of like the future challenges of what that season will bring and then hopefully postseason um, and just kind of measure yourself too against like how you want to be performing at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the magic sauce, right? When you go through that process of being better than you were the day before, you know, Creighton goes through this this slate where they have to be cognizant of the fact of like, like, look, you probably wouldn't say this in your in your like huddles or in your locker room or anything, but Creighton on a from a talent standpoint can win, can be successful in the Big East without being at their best most nights. Would that be fair to say, right? Because just from a talent standpoint and from an execution standpoint. Your best usually doesn't always always needed every point to win. It's just that's just the way it's been. Like you don't dominate like that without without it being like that. So when you go through the process of trying to measure yourself um, of how good are we getting through this, because you know the, the Big East hasn't sent a bunch of teams to the NCAA tournament. It's not a gauntlet like the non-conferences. Um, the Creighton has to be cognizant of that throughout these weekends when they go through and say they face a team that's like. You know, I mean, Seton Hall had lost to – they lost to North Dakota. It was only got one win this season. So, it's like – that's, that's Seton Hall is not a team that Creighton's going to go into and be like, all right, 
this is who we'll face in round two in December. This is who we might get in the first weekend or second weekend. Like, so it's a, it becomes more about what's going on on our side of the net than what's going on, on the other side of the net, right? Because it's about the execution of our what we've practiced in training to get better at it. And I think that's where Creighton kind of like um, finds itself as an opponent sometimes in these matches as opposed to what's going on, on the other side. And then when it snowballs a little bit, um, you can see some inconsistencies. But I think that's what I think that's what the players want, right? Because you, if you want to be a championship team. Um, you have to have a standard, like a minimum standard, right? It's not like an unfair thing to say, all right, yeah, we won that. It should feel good, but we did we play up to our potential there? And if the answer is no, then you should be disappointed if you're a championship team, right? That's that's only part of the deal, isn't it? Yeah, and I think so. And, I mean, you kind of alluded to it. I mean, you maybe don't have to play perfectly or, you know, your best every single night against some teams, especially. Like, there's definitely some teams in, in the conference that you're going to need to play really well. But, I mean, there's other teams maybe you're just a little bit more, like, talented physically than, you know. It's just – it's not really – I mean, you would never say it. I mean, right, exactly. Kirsten would, Kirsten would never really, you know, tell somebody that. But, I mean, the expectation, like, when you look across the net, like, you can tell, obviously. I mean – you're you're more physical you're just more like talented it's just I mean it's obvious you know when you see some teams but yeah I think it's that challenge of you don't want to play down to your opponent's level of play I think that's always a challenge especially there's some teams like maybe they have one winning conference and you're about to go play them and I mean you look you're aware you know of what's going on like okay this team hasn't played well but maybe they show up and play their best, you know, match of the entire season against you. So it's just a challenge, I think, to not try to match your opponent's level of play. Like it's, you really need to uphold that high standard. And that always becomes a conversation, I think, for any match that you play, you know, just taking care of your side and playing the best that your team can play and then kind of, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, it is the unspoken thing, but it's also like the one, like you said, when you're a competitor, you kind of, can't help but be aware, like, yeah, we're the better side here. Like, there's not – if we are what we are, there's nothing that any that the other team can do about it. We're going to win this match, basically. So, I think that's what – you know, I that's that's what I think has been the most impressive part about what they've done, what Creighton has done throughout the years um, in being as successful as they are in the Big East. With I don't even think they lost 10 matches in the last – you know, since they've been in the conference yet. I'm pretty sure that's still the case, but um, – I have to double check on that, but it's just like, you don't go through that unless you're, unless you're, you're trying to um, take care of your side of the net mostly because other teams are coming up to you. Right. We've talked about that. St. John's for, for on Friday, St. John's Creighton was the most important match of of St. John's season. And there was a letdown for them after that. They immediately lost to a team that isn't um, on paper as good as Creighton. Although shout out to Madeline Cole for getting that one back because she lost in the Big East tournament her last year, so uh, she Jennifer uh, Providence got that one back. So shout out Madeline Cole. Um, <laughs> but that was St. John's season right there, beating Creighton. That was like like you said, cloud nine for them. Then they immediately went back to being the team that's kind of been up and down this season. So when you're when you're facing teams every weekend that are up for you and you're down for them, eventually you're gonna meet in that spot where it goes badly for Creighton, right? And that's kind of what they battle every year. It just is the it is the way it is. Like it's you know everybody says, everybody asks every year like, 
how many losses can Creighton afford in conference play to still have a chance to be like hosting and stuff like that? And it's such a weird question because usually when you get into conference, you're battling for the conference title and then that's the goal, right? But it almost feels like Creighton has more to lose as they go through this slate than they do have to gain from it. But that's just kind of, they're victims of their own success in that regard because they have handled the conference in a dominant fashion for so many years. So that's part of what I think played out a little bit this weekend is you talk about that. You're like, you see, well, St. John's played really well. Creighton didn't play well and that they kind of got taught the lesson there. And then from that is the response. The thing that I'm always interested in is the response. So I think that shows what these teams, what these, what's so what these individual Creighton teams year by year are made of. So I thought, you know, the sets two and three against Seton Hall were, um, I think, some things to build off of because the the game one was a, like a, a after set one was again like the mirror. They had to look in the mirror there a little bit. If that to borrow that proverbial phrase, right? Because they were they won, but they weren't happy with the performance. So coming out in two and three, uh, you know, I, Keely Davis to me was the standout of this one. I thought from an all-around perspective, she had one of her better all-around matches, maybe of her career. She's had some high – she's had some matches where she's had some astronomically high kill numbers, um, and she's hit the, the, you know, the leather off the ball. But, you know, career high five aces just – and she's a really aggressive server too, so – the error to aces thing can get sideways sometimes with a with a really aggressive server. But she had five aces, it's career high. I think she had six digs, three blocks. She hit 480-something. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was one of her best all-around matches of her career when you look at just the totality of the way she was impacting that game. What do you think? Yeah, I thought so too. And it was nice to just have her, um, you know, have some success. Um, I thought, you know, it was a little bit different. Maybe Keeley, you know, hasn't really been getting that many kills just over these past couple of weeks in all our matches. So it was fun to kind of see her just like stand out and yeah, kind of just have an all around match. I think to have five aces, she went on a run where she had like four right in there. Um, so I thought that was really impressive. Um, and yeah, digs, blocks, she kind of did it all. So um, definitely a good performance by her. Yeah. No, so I thought, and then serving, obviously, <laughs> you guys will say it till you're blue in the face that serving pass is the name of the game, essentially. It, it, you know, it felt like that swung it a little bit. I don't know from a tactical standpoint what needed to be done in terms of execution, but I felt like once Creighton got rolling from the service line, because that's the one thing they didn't really do um, sustainably well against St. John's was those little serving runs, right? Those 3-0, 4-0, can we put together – a couple of these to, to mm-hmm. at least, you know, swing momentum here and there, right? But against Seton Hall, you saw those serving runs start to get put together. Obviously, Keeley had some good ones. Abby had some good ones. Um, I think Norris Sis had to, had, a, had a serving run in there. Uh, Jayla Zimmerman, obviously. Like, I thought most of their serving, even Megan Skosibny, like, I thought Creighton's serving, you know, their servers were – Getting Seton Hall out of system and Creighton's offense was executing at a pretty, pretty high level to make those points add up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, like you said, I didn't think they did that against St. John's or, you know, they put a serve over and I just thought St. John's was in system, you know? Yeah. So it's like in system, they got a kill. It just, it seemed very easy for St. John's at times. 
um, just in their season rotation. So it was, yeah, better to see a stronger serving performance just the day after. Yeah. So I don't know. Coming out of a, a like a win over Seton Hall, there's not really a situation where you're like, oh yeah, we, you know, you feel really good about where this Creighton team is at. But I kind of looked at it last night and. Uh, you know, it's just one of those matches where it's like Creighton's supposed to be – they've won 35 straight sets against Seton Hall. So, I'm at the full mode. Right? Yeah, her – if you can't see her eyes right now, her eyes just like, whoa, that's a lot. Um, you don't – I just take that for granted at this point. Like, they're just a better team than Seton Hall is, and they've proven it year by year. Um, but – so, I looked at it like your – the year you made the Elite Eight, 2016, I think that was your – Redshirt freshman year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so through 16 matches, um, you're, the numbers that Creighton's at, I think only, the only thing that's better right now is the overall hitting percentage by, I think, 10 percentage points. It's better. Um, everything else across the board for this team right now through 16 matches is better. They're holding teams to a much lower hitting percentage. Digs per setter up. Blocks per setter up, aces per setter up, um, and the hitting percentage. Just like I said, they're in the same kind of area. Like, does that matter at all? Does or is this are the schedules too? You're almost laughing. You're like, no. Um, like the schedules are. <laughs> you can say that not all schedules are created the same, right? But you know, you that 16 team had played the reigning national champion Nebraska. This team played the reigning national champion Kentucky. Um, there's something like, there's something to it, right? Like. Creighton has been playing pretty well to this point and it's reflected in the numbers. They're kind of on pace to where that 16 team was that made the elite eight in terms of just what it looks like on paper, I guess. I don't know. Am I reaching? Yeah. um, You know, I think that's interesting information. Um, I don't know. It'll be not necessarily something that you would find useful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the time it's about matchups and just, you know, kind of who you're playing and who shows up to play against you. Um, but I mean, I think it's good information to have. I mean, I think that's good. I mean, from a standpoint of we made the elite eight and you know, yeah. putting up similar numbers. So mm-hmm. from that aspect, I think that's cool, but yeah, it'll just, I guess be interesting to see. We'll, we'll have to see when the time comes, you know, maybe, yeah, speak so, into existence <laughs> all right so let me let, let's let's dig into the origin of why i dug into that a little bit was there i got some questions about um maybe some of the things that i don't even know if if there's like a knowledgeable segment of the fan base in terms of volleyball yet but i'm, fi- I'm trying to figure out if there is but uh that's what we hope this podcast is we, we want to see if there is or not but it, it, you know it felt like there's the, people maybe focus a little bit on you know, the shortcomings, right? Like, well, you know, you know, Nora and Jay, it's still about the Nora. If Nora and Jayla can hit well, Creighton's going to play well. But if they don't, can they get the middle attack going? Um, can they get the right side attack going? You know, is the serving consistent? Is the defense consistent? How's the blocking? So to me, when I, I just, I'm a numbers guy. I like, you know, I'm trying to figure out, well, is, is Creighton on pace to have to build towards a postseason run, you know what I mean? Because um, certainly just they're mm-hmm. disappointed about the way it ended last year with a one with a first round exit. So, is Creighton building toward that? And so I go back to the team that kind of really elevated the the standards on that on on campus. And when I look at the statistics right now, this current team is 
above where that team was at this point in the season. No, it's a, yeah. it's a, it still doesn't matter to you at all. I mean, you're, you're still measuring it against what you see on on film, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. I think the one thing too, like I think against Seton Hall, they won a little bit differently, right? Like so, Keeley was the second highest in, in kills, you know, with Nora first, and then Jayla was third. So I think like those types of things, just seeing kind of if they can win in a, kind of a different fashion, because I feel like I mean, it's kind of been yeah, like the Nora and Jayla show. So it's, it's good to see them kind of have a little bit different, um, you know, execution and still come out and win and like play pretty well, especially in that second and third set. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, maybe somebody else like has their night, you know, and just, oh. just kind of, if they can win in different ways, I think that'll really serve them well as they get into the season and the postseason. So your mindset is more like, can they be as hard to predict as possible? Right. So it's not like, all right, like, look, we're facing Creighton. If their left side kills us, they're going to beat us. But if we can make them inefficient, we'll give ourselves a chance. Like if Creighton, you want you from Creighton side of it, you want them to be as hard to predict as possible is what you're saying. Yeah. I just think if you kind of elevate everybody's game and, you know, it could be anyone's match from a hitting perspective. I mean, I just think it makes it so much harder um, on your opposing team because, I mean, if you know they're going to the outside, I mean, every single ball, I mean, what are you going to do when you get into the postseason and you have, you know, people that are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, blockers, you know, they're just sitting there waiting for your outside hitter. So I think if you can win in different ways, it'll serve you really well. And I think the Big East maybe doesn't challenge you as much from that aspect. Like, you can probably just kind of ride the wave of going to the outside all the time or yeah. you know finding the right side all the time i think once you get farther into the season i think you really have to be able to win in different ways because maybe somebody doesn't have their best match and mm -hmm. you know maybe a team is like keying on a different player so i think just kind of adding you know that aspect and just making it so many different attacks coming at you from a defensive standpoint will just be really challenging for opposing teams so where do you i guess maybe the middle there is where we focus a little bit here. Where, where, where do you feel like that's at in terms of their development um, as they go through the, the, you know, these training sessions and games? Like I, I, I noticed like a little bit of a difference and I don't even know if this is real. So feel free to correct me if this is totally off base, but I thought um, Kendra and Naomi's connection was a little bit better this weekend, even, even though it wasn't, you know, a Naomi heavy, attack at any point I thought you know there's something about I think there was something that Kendra I don't know if Kendra was doing it or if it was Naomi but it felt like Kendra was kind of pulling back a little bit on setting that middle to kind of give her some chance to elevate because you talked about the elevation of the ball being key there right with that quick set it felt like Kendra was kind of pulling back a little bit with her footwork in order to get some elevation on the ball and I thought Naomi's contact velocity if you will if that's even a term but was I thought she was hitting the ball more forcefully, which I think means they were in sync more with Naomi's yeah, I, and, and Kendra's pace. Yeah, I think there was one, I think it was the fourth set against St. John's. I mean, even though they lost it, but there was one that she went to Naomi on a one. And yeah, then we just hit it like down with a lot of force. And I was like, I just feel like I hadn't seen that a lot, right. you know. Right. A lot more of it was like she either had to hit high or like tip it and it just didn't look like super fluid right I mean you want that middle attack to just be like bang bang and it's done yeah before the team can even set up their defense um yeah so I thought there were a couple times that they connected well and 
I mean, I think Kendra is just figuring out a little bit more like how to set that middle. Cause I mean, yeah. a lot of it's just like, you have to really set the player instead of setting a spot. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, that aspect is kind of hard. Like if you, if you set your outside, you're really setting it to a spot, but you know, middles, you kind of just have to, it's a feel thing and you have to like set the actual hitter. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I shouldn't say I agree with you. You're the expert here, but it makes sense. Like, cause you're, when you, when you do set the outside, you're kind of just tossing it over there. And then the outside figures out the footwork and the, the distance and the depth perception and they swing away at it. Right. But with that middle, it felt like – it just felt like, again, Naomi was hitting the ball with more force, and I have to feel like that's a sync thing, like they're getting more in sync because – I mean, unless it was just an accident. Like, it could very well be. But I hadn't – like I said, I hadn't seen that that happen a lot throughout the season. So I feel like if that's starting to happen, it means Naomi and Kendra are getting on sync with their connection a little bit better than, than previous matches because, I mean, Naomi's very powerful. I mean, we've seen her have some really, really good matches where she hits, you know, she'll have like nine kills on 12 swings, something absurd like that, right? Um, she's got a lot of power and she's very physical. So I feel like if, if she's starting to get some connection with Kendra, that opens up the offense even even more to that degree where you're looking for, like you said, down the road being as unpredictable as possible offensively if you're in system. Um and I thought that's just one thing I noted from this weekend. Like I said, I, I, I agree. I don't even think it mattered for the St. John's match because they, they ended up losing still. But there were moments where I felt like it was the Naomi and Kendra connection happened really quick. Like it was just a bang, bang type of play. And Naomi was putting the ball down with force um, where, that's, where that, that play was in sync. So that's going to – I'm curious to watch that going forward because I feel like that's going to unlock some things because – Jayla and Nora and Keeley can kill out of system balls. Like that's they're they're they just need the ball in the air. Like that's they're they're aggressive, they're aggressive hitters. They could find spots to put the ball. So I'm not it's not as concerning with them. But if if Creighton can unlock the middle, that feels like that's gonna elevate their their uh their play quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it will. It'll be it'll just be good to see. I think you know she gets more comfortable setting those middles. I just think it'll really open up their options. And I mean, she'll really just kind of have her pick of who she wants to set and hopefully have one-on-ones, you know, or no block at times. So, I mean, that's the ideal situation that you can kind of find anybody in rhythm and they can get a kill. Mm -hmm. So looking ahead to this weekend now, first of all, I got a bone to pick with the Big East or whoever set that schedule up because – They've got Creighton and DePaul playing the primetime game on Friday, or and then um, Creighton and Mar- the Creighton Marquette match is like the Sunday afternoon getaway game. <laughs> I'm just like you, you flipped those, you mixed those up. So usually it's the Marquette Creighton be on like the the marquee matchup of the weekend, and it'll be in primetime. The crowd will be juiced up. So we'll see what a Sunday afternoon NFL day looks like. I think it's Sunday afternoon when I play, right? Yeah, it is yeah. at one, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the Creighton and it's the Mar- it's the Marquette DePaul weekend though. Um, DePaul's a team that's you know they're they they look like they're still kind of improving. Honestly, this looks like another year in the right direction, in my opinion. I think you know they beat um, a Northwestern team who you know was competitive with Nebraska. I thought, uh, even though I think they lost in four sets, but I thought it was a competitive match. Um, and DePaul beat them right before Nebraska played them. Um, I think it shows that DePaul is kind of 
still moving in the right direction. Um, you know, they've got the new coaching staff that I think got there a couple of years ago. Uh, what would, uh, so I guess when you, when you're, you've only faced that team, I think one time under that staff, if I'm not mistaken, but what do you feel like are the challenges with facing DePaul, especially right before Marquette? Like it's, you know, there's kind of a look ahead there. Creighton has an opportunity to look ahead in Big East play, which doesn't usually happen. What do you feel like is the challenge um, they're going to face here with, uh, with DePaul, first of all? Yeah, I think Nepal is always, yeah, kind of a question mark because, like, you, they are getting better. So it's sometimes you're kind of unsure what they're going to throw at you and how they're going to show up and play um, when you match up with them. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think it'll be a serving pass game again. I mean, I think DePaul sometimes can struggle um, passing, you know, if you put in good tempo serves. So I think that's really going to be a key for Crane is just to be aggressive from the service line and hopefully get DePaul out of system. Because I think then, I mean, if DePaul's out of system, I don't think they're going to, you know, throw over too many things that's going to be, like, awful to defend. So yeah, um, I think from that standpoint, they could just set up their block and kind of dig around it, and they'd be in good shape. So, yeah, I think serve and pass is really the key and hopefully um, can propel them to a win. And then uh, Marquette's obviously the match everybody circles for volleyball fans, you know, the Creighton-Marquette matchups. Um you know, it feels like the difference in those matches have been, you say serve and pass, but it also, because it, serving sets up your, sets up your block, it sets up your defense, and it feels like Creighton's been the better defensive team in this matchup. Um, last year was interesting, though, because I think that's one of the, it was one of the very few years where, in my opinion, I thought Marquette was the better team, and that Big East Championship match was all about just Creighton kind of, I thought that was Creighton's best match of the year was that Big East championship last spring. So it, it, it felt like Marquette was maybe the better side last year, even though Creighton won two out of three matches and then obviously the automatic bid. Um, but it feels like Marquette's really tough to deal with offensively. They have a lot of options and they're unique in the fact that their setter is, I mean, Taylor Wolf is one of the best players in the entire country, let alone the league. I mean, she's so dangerous. Like she'll, you know, have 30, 40 assists, 10 kills, like, you know, she'll have 10 days. She can block really well. She can serve really well. Um, from an offensive standpoint, how dangerous is Marquette? Like how, how when you talk about being locked into a scout, um, it's almost paramount in that matchup, right, from Creighton's side of things? Yeah, I think it is. And, I mean, that's kind of, you know, what you hope you can do. I mean – from Creighton's standpoint, like you hope that you can have really great parity and make it really hard on Marquette. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I think Marquette kind of does that really well and they'll make it hard on Creighton. So if you're not locked in to, you know, scout and knowing where to block and knowing just kind of like what they run, you know, if their outsides are coming in on a two ball, if, you know, if they're moving around and just kind of throwing some things at you that maybe you don't see all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you, you know, you, you can get lost and Marquette can go on runs. So I think just being locked in and, of course, serving pass, I think. I mean, it's usually the team, right, that serves and passes the best that is going to come out on top. So from that standpoint, I, you know, start there. And then blocking-wise, I think it's going to be, like, really important. Yeah, it does feel like the team that's just, like, you know, in the, especially the, the the backs, I think, is are going to be important in this match. If they're, you know, I think the team that outdigs, whoever wins the dig battle, I think is probably going to win this match. If they can, whoever's lining up, in that seam to cover those holes in the block and 
back up those blockers and cover the floor, I think it's going to have a big advantage in this one because I think both teams have hitters. So I think you're mm-hmm. going to deal with a situation where, you know, the Marquette and Creighton are both going to put the ball down. Like that's just going to happen. But I think that, so I think the team that is able to come up with the most like wow energy boosting defensive plays, like one headed digs, dive on the floor, laying out, um, you know, run over the scorers table to just keep points alive and win long rallies. I think that's might be the team that makes the difference in this one, just because both teams are so talented offensively. Like, you're going to get scored on. So it's all about if you can just bounce back and get the next ball up kind of thing. But I think that team in this matchup has the advantage, don't you think? Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think extending those points of those defensive plays is going to be huge for both sides. And it really will give them them some momentum, I think, just from both sides and that energy, I think. Yeah, whoever brings the energy and is locked in from the start, I think you're going to see a lot of success. And, you know, from Creighton's standpoint, getting Marquette out of system, right? Because, you know, as good as they are offensively, you'd hope they're taking more, you know, swings from the 10-foot line area than just lining up at the net, right, and having three options. Yeah, and your block, too. I mean, if they're out of system and your middle blocker can release and kind of get a step ahead of hopefully where that ball is going to be set and then just be set up and – Creighton has big blockers, so I think it'll make yeah. it challenging um, for Marquette, you know, if they're able to get set up. And um, Creighton's been, you know, a really good blocking team um, sure. this season. Yeah. So it's it'll be interesting. And I know Marquette usually, you know, historically a good blocking and defense team. So um, it'll probably be a challenge, honestly, of the defenses and kind of who can stop that uh, offense, especially with all the parity I think that both sides have um, and can use. Yeah. I think Creighton's at 18 digs per set and like 2.75. Blocks per set, those are really good numbers. So, um, yeah, if they bring their A game defensively, I mean, I think they need to for sure in this matchup. But, and also Naomi, like, Naomi's the Marquette killer, man. Like, you, her numbers, it doesn't even matter what you can pick a year, go look at her numbers, whatever they play Marquette, it's absurd. So, she brings her best for that That's one. Funny. Too. So, it's kind of the funny thing that go, that I think about Naomi's career is like she always just kills Marquette. I don't know what. There's something personal there. I didn't know that. That's funny. Go into the game logs and just look at Naomi's. Just pick a a year. And it's like, oh, dang, Naomi had like nine nine kills, ten blocks. Craziness. Like her five best matches are all Marquette. It's crazy. Uh, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, so that'll be a fun weekend, though, to look. uh, We'll um, finally Creighton gets to play home matches. I mean, is this road slate been tough, do you think? Like, I know you like traveling. You like playing on the road. You feel like you play better sometimes on the road, but. Um, that's a tough schedule they've gone through, right? I mean, they haven't, they've only been one home weekend, really. It was the Nebraska match down at CHI and then the Blue Jay invite. Other than that, they've been road warriors the whole time. Like, that's got to be difficult, don't you think? It's just like maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I mean, yeah, in those games too, I mean, they weren't like your typical game day, right? So yeah. Nebraska, obviously, a different arena. And then their tournament at home is just a little bit different. You're playing two matches on one day and stuff, yeah. so. Yeah, now they'll kind of get into the heart of, you know, season and just get to have those home matches where you have a day in between and, you know, you practice on Saturday and prep for your next game on Sunday. So I think it'll be good for them to kind of get into that routine a little bit more. Um, Yeah, and hopefully play well. I mean, just, you know, you'll have a lot of fans there too. It's a little different than playing on the road. You know, typically the other Big East teams don't quite, you know, have as good of a crowd. So that's what I I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I want to see this team in an environment, don't you? Like, 
I remember yeah. the, the Iowa State exhibition. That felt like an NCAA tournament match with that crowd. Obviously, the Nebraska crowd was lit. Um, and then the I think you know the Blue Jay invite crowds were great. Like they just used to play in front of their own fans, man. Like they, just to get some energy, right? That'll I mean that that'll elevate their play to some degree too. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah, just taking that energy too from your crowd and hopefully they play really well in both these matches and then, you know, then they'll go on the road the next weekend and hopefully they'll just have some momentum and kind of, you know, get that confidence back. Not that they're not confident, but I mean, this weekend after, you know, losing and then not really playing, I guess, super well against Seton Hall at first, I think hopefully you'll just see them play really consistently just with great energy, you know, and just kind of have fun out there and play really well. I think that'd be really good. I think you're right, though, because I think you're right, though, because, you know, this is I don't think they're coming off this weekend feeling like feeling great because obviously they I mean, they lost one of the matches. So it does feel like you're you're right about this being a potential chance for them to kind of build like their swagger back. Right. Get on another one of those runs. Mm -hmm. You're putting a big winning streak together. You're playing good volleyball. Like That might be what they have in front of them in terms of the way the schedule sets up from an opportunity standpoint starting with this home weekend where they get their conference rival. I mean, they're not going to have a problem getting up for that match. Like that's the match they've probably circled the whole time. So that's, that's, I think you're right about that. I think you're on point. Yeah. So, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a, uh, I think we've talked enough. Um, <laughs> well, everybody's starting to line up here and look at me funny. So I'll, I'll gotta get ready for soccer. I'm at Morrison stadium right now recording this. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you um, listening, and we'll be back next weekend after Creighton's matches against DePaul and Marquette. Um, I think we'll open up some questions, too, because that's kind of a – that'll be a big enough sample size in the season to kind of have some big-picture questions about this team. So we'll uh, we'll submit that for, for you guys to chime in and throw some questions at us. And until then, we'll I hope everybody has a good week. And I thank Megan, as always, for – taking time out of her Sundays to break down Creighton's matches.